In this podcast, we'll look at how memory is mediated and how it travels as a consequence. And by memory, we mean collective memory, the memory of some kind of group. Groups, of course, cannot remember themselves in a neurological sense. Only individuals can do that. But they can agree on a narrative that is the price of admission to the group. And so there's a kind of construction of memory that has very little to do with the kind of memory individuals create. Now this memory in turn is mediated, but there is no mediation of some new memory that is not itself a remediation of some previous memory. For example, Astrid Earle, one of the specialists in the field, speaks of 9-11 being pre-mediated by the memories of the Crusades and Pearl Harbor. This is a kind of framing uh, that is deliberate and has some kind of uh, purpose, whether it is, exists at the conscious level or not. Books, movies, photographs, songs, plays, stories are all media that remeet the first memory. Now, what's fascinating to me is that this is apparently some kind of displacement that takes place with the first memory, which is really a remediated memory in itself. To take one example, Anne Frank's diary was her mediation of her experience in hiding during World War II. But our memory of Anne Frank is either of the diary released and edited by her father, which was a remediation of Anne Frank's remediation, version 2 edited by her from her first diary, or we get our memory from the play and the movie of the 1950s, which is a further remediation. But there is no collective memory of the real Anne Frank, if by that you mean the first draft of her diary. Another example is 9-11. Very few people experienced 9-11 directly in New York City. But live video represented our first memory of the event. We saw the falling towers, the devastation of the Pentagon. There were no images of other aspects of 9-11, so that didn't become part of our first memory. There was a remediation because there was a selective narrative of what happened that day. But even that is not the story of 9-11 as Americans remember it. Because a story takes longer to uh, apprehend than a day when the discrete images first appeared. It is a story with a tension and a resolution that is really our first memory of 9-11. And that story is a displacement of what we saw on September 11th itself, because it unfolded gradually over the following months. I think that second story, the, the actual story of, of how we pieced together what it meant, is what we now remember about 9-11. The story we recall is not only the falling towers, but the pictures of the dead, the flags on the scene, and on people's cars, and the crusade to right this wrong, beginning with the bombing of Afghanistan and perhaps running through the attack on Iraq. And perhaps uh, this is a displacement of what our individual memories of the event of 9-11 had become. It's a displacement of what we originally saw, and it becomes a collective memory which we take to be authentic, even though it's pieced together. It's, it's remediated. Mass events seem to be collectively remembered in this kind of delayed fashion, which I call displacement. 
Astrid Earle uh, writes about the Indian mutiny in the 1850s. Within months, a schema of the event as a chronicle of rape and the avengement of rape became a standard feature of British narration of the event, even though there is little or no evidence that rape and its avengement was a part of the actual events of the Indian mutiny. Later, the displaced memory was taken as the first memory, and it was presumed wrongly to be accurate. So traveling memories indicates that there's a, there's a new understanding that there's a wider world than Europe for memory studies to uh, tackle, and that with globalization and its discontents, it's incumbent upon memory studies to uh, adapt to the world in which we now live. And that means that we have to move away from the concern with the nation state or simply the concern for the social construction of memory. We also have the intersection of collective memories, which are often seen as, as counter to one another, but which we now see in the last 20 years or 30 years even, that that intersection of memory can lead to healing, such as with the Truth Commissions in South Africa. So it's, it's fascinating, uh, this transition to traveling memory, and I think this is the, uh, new, the new turn for memory studies. And everyone at the Memory Conference in Amsterdam, December 3rd through 5th, which is going on now, uh, seems to uh, be understanding of this reality. We will talk more about the uh, International Memory Conference after the break. As I indicated, the inaugural conference of the Memory Studies Association has opened in Amsterdam. That opened yesterday on December 3rd. It will continue through tomorrow, December 5th, and people at the conference are tweeting about it and making some very interesting observations. There seems to be a widespread agreement that the move to traveling memory is a good thing, but there's also a lot of interest in the recent political events associated with Brexit and the presidential election in the United States and the relationship between those things and memory studies how memory studies must become more politicized, for example. If I look at the tweets, uh, we have to infer what's going on in the conference, and it's very hard to do that from 140 characters, of course. Uh, for instance, there's a tweet that says, a healthy democracy needs gestures, not just justifiers. And that's uh, evidently something, uh, either a quote or a paraphrase of something Jan Kubik said at the Memory Studies Conference. Not sure what that means, but uh, some of the uh, tweets are pretty obvious about what they mean, and they're kind of interesting to look at. There is some discussion about collective memory before Maurice Halbach's, and that's an interesting point. But in general, there's a kind of division of this field into three periods of study. Halbach's and his social construction of memory, and then Pierre Nora and his construction of memory uh, associated with sites of memory or places of memory, and now the focus on memory on the move or traveling memory. So these are all uh, themes that are being discussed at the conference. Uh, it's very valuable to, to get the impressions of conference attendees, but again, in 140 characters, it's hard to know exactly what's happening. And that's why it would be a great thing if these conferences could be videotaped for broadcast afterwards or for, 
for archival on the internet. It seems to me that when you talk about memory studies especially, you would expect a memory studies conference to archive its work or record its work in some kind of memory fashion for later retrieval. One does understand that the purpose of a conference initially is to provide a possibility for interaction face-to-face by the, the conference attendees. And no one would be surprised that conference uh, presentations are not broadcast live because that might uh, encroach upon the importance of people's attendance at the conference. So that's well understood. But there needs to be some kind of repository of transcripts of these presentations, and that would benefit the field greatly without encroaching upon the immediacy of the conference. So uh, I am following the tweets uh, through tomorrow, December 4th. I hope there will be more memory studies conferences in years to come. And one of the themes that comes out of the tweets is that memory studies needs to move beyond Europe. It's too Eurocentric. There, there was some criticism, uh, evidently, based on these tweets, that uh, most of the attendees are white Europeans, and there aren't that many people of color in the conference. Uh, now, I don't know if that's true or if that's just an observation of one of the attendees. Uh, There is work on memory studies going on elsewhere in the world, and it does need to be incorporated into a conference that is purporting to be international in scope. So one hopes that that is the future of memory studies. After the break, we'll have a final word. On a final note, one cannot ignore the political background that shadows the conference we've been talking about. And it's the rise of the populist mentality that is so threatening to the European Union and to liberal democratic politics in the United States. This populist push is on the minds of many people pursuing memory studies. What I would like to ask uh, my listeners to do is to contribute an article or a book on the latest turn in memory studies that perhaps will help us uh, navigate this problem that we're just now talking about and take that citation and place it on a site that I've created, a Twitter site, called Memory Through Media. So if you search for the at sign Memory Through, that would be T-H-R-U, Media, all run together, Memory Through Media, you will find the site. And Twitter seems to be perfectly aligned to the uh, potential to present citations of important works. Now, we've seen citations of important works in the Twitter feed that is coming out of the conference, and that's very, very good. But I'm looking at an article that was recommended on that Twitter feed on agonistic memory by Anna Sento Bull and Hans Lausch Hansen. I hope I'm pronouncing their names correctly. This article, which is available on the internet uh, through the publisher, is a fascinating article that talks about the populist um, surge, I guess you could call it, in recent times, and how that populist movement uses memory to achieve its victories. 
Well, there's a third way. There's a way that uh, uses memory to attack other groups, which is what the populist surge does. And then there's the use of memory to bring people together, if I'm not oversimplifying the argument. And then there's a third potential way that Hansen and Bull mention in this article, and uh, it's through Sage Publications. And I think it's a fascinating look at where we are now in memory studies. So please put your suggestions on this Twitter site, at Memory Through Media. That's all for today. We'll have another edition of this podcast series on memory studies a bit later. Thank you for listening.